You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Series, there's no panic in the room. What can you say about the way your group handled the next three games and ultimately advancing to the conference final? We did a good job. Coach Zuccarask was saying, this core isn't getting any younger. What do you make of the opportunity that lies ahead of you? It's been fun. So I see where this is going here. I'll ask you one more about your line. They got back together. You had said the chances over there were just starting to bury it these last few games. What kind of zone are you three in? We're good. Thanks. Well, that was worth it, Jim. That was Brad Marchand <laughs> on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. This is Mackie and Judd with Robbie on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. He apparently went to the Greg Popovich School of Interviews. Judd and I are in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil is at the uh, lovely ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah. And Phil, you teased before the break a surprise that I'm not in on. I don't think Jonathan is in on I'm not in on oh, it. Jonathan is in on it. You said you have a very big, very special hockey guest for Mr. Judd Zolgad, the resident well, Hockey it is. It house. is. Uh, I want to wish you guys happy Game Seven day, and then tomorrow mm-hmm. too. We get we get back to back Game Seven. Isn't we this have great. Stars Blues tonight. It's great. Avalanche Sharks tomorrow night. Yep. And uh, and so Judd and we let, we we should talk about that Brad Marchand audio too. But uh, I'm going to step away here from the microphone and hand it off to John Buchigras, oh. who's hanging out. Bucci is hanging out in nice. studio with us here. Fine work, Phil Mackey. Thank you very much. Hi, John. How are you? Hi. Good. How you doing, boys? We're doing fantastic. We're doing fantastic. Beautiful. Okay, since we've got you, what was what was your reaction to um, Marshan? I think he was asked three questions and gave the Hockey Night in Canada guy ten words. And then what was intriguing to me was, because I understand that he might have been upset with that guy, he went into the locker room post game, and I believe it was something like <laughs> 19 questions, 38 words. So that was quite yeah. the show he put on last night. Yeah, the on ice fella apparently in a uh, previous pregame interview asked him if he had sharpened his skates before he stepped on Cam Atkinson's stick uh, early in the series. You remember that? I saw it I last night. He felt like that was. I guess he felt like that was unnecessary journalistic snark, and so he was going to hold a little mini grudge. And so yeah, so he went. Uh, that was his answer to that. Why he continued in the locker room uh, with that, I don't know. But he kind of had a twinkle in his eye, and I think he. I think it was good. I think it was fun. It was. Yeah. What more are you going to say there? You're going to get a bunch of cliches anyway. So I thought it was kind of kind of fun. The one word answers, and it's gotten a lot of play. And yes. and we're always looking for hockey content here for us hockey fans to get to break through the rest of the sports and the discussion shows. And maybe that that'll get on some of the discussion shows that don't normally talk about hockey. John, do you recall when we when we we were youngins watching hockey. I believe this was on USA Network, and I believe Kenny Linsman, yeah. the rat at the time, was playing for the Oilers, if I'm not mistaken. Do you recall Al Troutwig was doing the between periods back then? <laughs> and asked Kenny, yes, he, was. he said, so why are you called the rat? And Linsman did the exact thing Marshand did, but, but he couldn't skate away because it was in a studio. 
And Lindsman Briss, and that was one of the most, until last night, that was one of the most uncomfortable hockey interviews that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I do remember the USA hockey coverage as a kid in the uh, in the early 80s and Al Troutwig, and, and that was the first time I saw really nationally hockey uh, games on cable TV with a really good picture. You know, before that, it was all everything on UHF <laughs> yes. and uh, VHF. So that was that was those were that was like man, that was uh, like a meteor across the sky when that happened. But yeah, Kenny Linsman was certainly another one of those guys who didn't care what you thought. Most hockey players do. They're very you know they're very self conscious and aware and mindful and very in good manners. But Kenny was from that ilk and and obviously the new rat, the 21st century Ooh. rat is uh is right right in the same cloth. Uh, so, John, you, your thoughts on these playoffs and the first round, by the way, I thought was outstanding. It was just great. Um, now, now we did have wild card teams, and the lower seeds have great success. Do you think that this is good for the league, bad for, for the league, or do you just think it pretty much holds steady that in, in a playoffs, when teams make the playoffs, you just don't know? Yeah, it's it's uh, hockey's always been pretty random, but especially since the hard salary cap, um, every team really is very very even. Even look at look at Tampa Bay and Columbus in the first round. I mean, Seth Jones is really just as good as Victor Hedman. Arteni Panarin is almost as good as Nikita Kucherov. Certainly, Steven Stamkos is better than maybe Cam Atkinson if you want to go like player for player. Sure, but then after that. There's a lot of sameness there. So it's, it's, you know, every team is, is really even. And that's what the hard salary cap does. You know, we have a luxury tax in the NBA. We don't have a cap in baseball, a luxury tax basically in that sport as well. So you can, the big market teams can go over and, and create the imbalance that we see in the NBA and with, uh, Major League Baseball. Um, you know, football is also a similar hard salary cap. So we should see more teams, different teams in the Super Bowl. We don't, you know, the Patriots are obviously the outlier. Mm-hmm probably in professional sports. But uh, yeah, I, I think hockey's random on its own. And now with you know this long 14 years of the hard salary cap, a lot of really competent executives, you don't see those terrible trades we used to see in the 70s and the 80s when teams, you know, like the Lakers would get the first overall draft pick a year after making the playoffs, or the yes. Bruins would get Ray Bork first, <laughs> you know, uh, early in the first round after being a really good team in the Stanley Cup Finals. Or like the Sharks would get Brent Burns for Devin Sedigan. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, that yeah. would never happen. That, that actually happened. Yeah, that was- you know. So you got you guys know how it is. You know, trading Charlie Coyle to the Bruins before the playoffs. Oh, I'm fine but, with uh, that trade. I'm yeah, fine with that. Long term, that one should even out pretty good. Yeah. Um. So so as a hockey fan, and I'm I'm not sure what, what your view on this is, but here's the one thing that makes me sad. I want so desperately for the Oilers more than anybody to make the playoffs and be good. Because can you imagine as a sports fan, forget just hockey fan, as a sports fan, John, if we got Colorado and McKinnon versus McDavid and Edmonton, can you imagine how much fun that series would be? And I'm talking about that's the type of of series that I would say to any friend who likes sports, you've got to watch this. Yeah, it's not good for the sport when the best player is not in the postseason. We see it in baseball with Mike Trout. Um, so, yeah, it's not good that Connor McDavid is not in the postseason. So I certainly hope they can turn it around. Kenny Holland, the 
New GM's a friend of mine. I go golfing with him in the summer a lot, and I really enjoy him. And uh, to see his character up close, he basically organizes these golf tournaments, and you can see what the strengths he has as someone who is hyper-competitive and hyper-focused and very organized and uh, has a real palpable energy to him. Um, so I, you know, I'm not surprised he wanted to still be a GM and not take the cushy job in Detroit yeah. um, at, at his age. He, he's, he's still ready. So, yeah, I hope he can figure it out make a couple good moves to get Edmonton in the postseason, because I agree. Because you know, as we've seen the playoffs, everyone has another gear. And can you imagine McDavid with another no, gear? That, and and yes. that's, what, that's what McKinnon does. And what you were talking about, McKinnon, he has that other gear. And when your gear is already way up here, it's just amazing TV, which we see with McKinnon. The incredible uh, Mackie and Judd with Romney, uh, John Butchergoss, lead hockey enthusiast at yeah, ESPN. I like that co- title. I'll put that on my card. If lead, I had a business card, I would put that on. <laughs> All right. Uh, lead hockey enthusiast. Um, so uh, I, I, I agree that NHL teams are clumped together because of the salary cap and hockey is as random as maybe it's been for a while. Yeah. But the wild, even though things are clumped together, the wild are still stuck very much in that middle ground the last few years. Yeah. Um, and, and now we've gone past the point of, of the age curve here with Zach Parisi and Ryan Souter. They're mm-hmm. both albatross contracts. So how do you untangle this mess if you are Paul Fenton and company? How do you look at this Rubik's Cube and get the wild to where they would like to be, which is top of the Western Conference. I mean, do you have to tear it all down first, do you think? Yeah, or? it's a, well, it's a great question. Obviously, you need to get lucky, whether you make a really good trade with someone and, and fleece somebody a little bit, uh, get lucky with a second or third rounder, you know, which certainly we see Tampa Bay get lucky with a lot of high draft picks, as Detroit did uh, in their heyday. They were drafting guys fifth, sixth, second, uh, seventh round that were hitting. Um, and we're seeing this with Tampa Bay, rounds seven through five, uh, or rounds two through five. So, yeah, they got to get lucky. Um, perhaps make, you know, make, and you can get Hall of Famers in the first round if you're picking 18 to 25. You know, I mean, the Ducks got Getzlaff and Perry in the 20s. Uh, Getzlaff's going to the Hall of Fame. Perry won't, but Getzlaff is. And Perry was close for a while until he got hit 30 and, and the league got fast. And, but he won an MVP and he's Stanley Cup champion. He's close to a Hall of Famer. So you got to get lucky there. And, and uh, and make a couple of deals like like this Donato trade. You know, Donato could turn into a thirty goal score, and so that's it's it doesn't it's not a blockbuster trade, um, but it is at least a piece here. And you're right in terms of having that guy that that you kind of ride. Um, but you know, the Bruins never really have had that guy. They just have a good team, and they could get their second cup this decade and their third appearance in a final this decade. You know, with the Bergeron, who's a Hall of Famer, and Marchand, and guys like that. So. Yeah, and again, Mar- Bergeron was a second-round pick. Marshall was a third-round pick. Krejci was, you know, not a first-round pick. Only Pasternak was. So, uh, and but but they identified Chara and they signed, and he was really a big free agent signing that really kind of shaped the franchise these last this this decade. It seems like in hockey, though, you you can you can do what you just talked about, John, quicker than you can in the other sports. We saw Vegas last night or last last season sort of come out of nowhere. Tampa Bay this season kind of come out of nowhere. Can do you think do you think Minnesota fans can can have some optimism that they're not looking at a long haul when it comes to getting the Wild back to relevance? I think so because I think players w- will sign there. I think you know players like Minnesota. Um, they love being there in the summer and during the winter. It doesn't really matter where you live. You're, you're so you know focused on the season and, and you're and you're geared towards the season. So I think they'll they'll always be an attraction for free agents, and that certainly can 
can you know move things along quicker. And where other teams, you know, like Columbus, they're not going to probably get that top tier free agent. They'll have to trade for him like they did with Panarin. Hope they sign, realize they probably won't, and then just replenish from there and try to get lucky again. You know, making a trade and get a guy like him two years away from free agency and and and, and gamble that way. So between those two situations, being aggressive trading. Like, like Columbus did with that sod for Panarin trade, identifying a player and a team that needs cap relief and, and how, and identify those types of players and then go from there. But yeah, certainly they're, they're not far. They could easily make the playoffs next year. They're, you know, close enough this year that you should definitely have hope. Uh, John Butchergrass, I know Twin Cities hockey fans love hearing from you, and I'm sure all of them follow you on Twitter. And, uh, if we're so lucky to get either tonight or tomorrow, a Bucci overtime challenge yeah. in a game seven. That would be that would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, but a 14th last night, I think. Um, More than last year already. We had 10 last year. And two years ago, we had 27. That was incredible. It was like, it's just, it's amazing. But, uh, and again, let's talk about, you know, how, the, how balanced the league is. Another reason why I think the league is balanced is there's really too many players for the amount of teams. Um, I think you could easily expand more. Like the way America and Canada are producing high-end talent, and now Finland and Sweden is producing high-end talent. We're getting franchise players every year in the draft. We're going to have another one this year in Jack Hughes. He's going to go to New Jersey, you know, and what what he's going to do to New Jersey. And the Rangers are starting to come now as well as they pick second. Um, so it's I think the world is producing high-end hockey talent at a big level, and that's why the league is getting even more and more even. There's not a lot of pylons out there anymore. Like, everybody's really good. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out Love with it. us. Thanks, John. Love it was it. great stuff. Uh, here at ESPN headquarters, we we actually came all the way here and uh, specifically to do 15 minutes with John Butchergrass. <laughs> I love Minnesota. <laughs> you think I'm not happy about I that? I love hockey, and uh, I love it, love it, love it. Worth uh, worth the business expense uh, account. Come down here just for this. So uh, when we come back, can Gerson Rosas really fix Andrew Wiggins like he said yesterday? <laughs> we'll talk about that on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Hey, Minnesota sports fans, Phil Mackey here, introducing you to the all-new Score North on 1500. Well, you'll find Purple Daily at noon, Matthew Collar 2-4, to four, and Mackey and Jeb with Rami from 4-6. to six. Over at scorenorth.com, that's S-K-O-R, in addition to great written content, you'll find some of the most entertaining local Minnesota sports podcasts. Purple Podcast, Raised by Wolves, Myron Metcalf on Hoops, Touch them all, Royce Unchained, and plenty more. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at Score North. Minnesota Sports, anytime, anywhere. I just love the music. It sounds like the <laughs> 70s. It sounds like an episode of Chips. He was dancing in air guitar again here. It sounds like San really Diego Supercharges. Quite the sight to see. I'm just excited because we talked hockey. Bad day to be uh, not be on twitch.tv slash score north. Folks could have seen that. They could have witnessed that. Oh, yeah. No, it's good. I can really dance. As Phil knows, <laughs> was that I can fun? really dance. Was it, was it fun having uh, Bucci Maine on the show? Oh, he's great. He's a, he's he's a great man. He's great. And, and his, his love... For hockey is completely genuine too, which is what I love. So he is legitimately uh, one of the most genuine, nicest people behind the scenes. You know, there's probably a, well, not probably. We all know people in sports and in media and entertainment that when the camera's on or the microphone's on, they're one way, and then when the microphone's off and the cameras are off, they're very much a different way. And uh, John Butchergrass, who has been with ESPN for what twenty plus years now, he's twenty five years or something like that. Yeah, could not could not be more genuine and nice, and uh, loves Minneapolis. He came here for the the first time you and I hung with him, or like I guess the last time you and I hung with him in studio. He came in and did a half hour when he was doing play by play for the Frozen Four, I believe. That was or last at least se- for last year, right? It was last year. Yeah, year ago March. Uh, 
Yeah, and just you know, I I think he's kind of become with his with his overtime challenge on Twitter and with you know ESPN has they only really have like four or five hockey people. Wish uh, they brought Wyshynski over from Yahoo. Mm-hmm. They've still got Linda Cohn and Barry Melrose, but he, he's basically become one of the figurehead hockey. Uh, authorities in sports media in this country, and uh, and he's he's an awesome guy. So Absolutely, fun having him on. And the nickname Bucciman is outstanding. Yeah, it's great, yeah. That's a great nickname. His Twitter profile is fantastic. Speaking right. of how people are when they get in front of cameras and on microphones, we got our first taste of uh, Gerson Rosas yesterday at his introductory press conference as the new president of basketball operations for the Timberwolves. And one of the things that he's going to have to solve, probably one of the first orders of business for Rosas and the Wolves in this new era of Wolves basketball, is what do we do with Andrew Wiggins? And this is what he had to say about that. I, I think, uh, you know, to be fair to Andrew, it, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, there's there's been different coaches. There's been different systems. There's been different platforms. The only thing that I can go off of is the experience that I have with Andrew. Uh, I've spoken with Andrew. He's very motivated about this. He's very excited about it. We're going to work in day in and day out, investing with him in every way possible to make him the best player. The reality is this. If I go out on the market to get a player, I'm not going to find a player that's got a bigger upside than Andrew. He's a very talented individual. He's got a ton of physical tools, and he's a great kid. We have to mature him into a great player, and that's our responsibility. We're going to do everything we can possible from the front office side, from a coaching side, from a player development, player wellness, to help him be the best player he can. Was he being interviewed hey, in so, a construction Can site? somebody move that truck so Gerson can talk? Did they not know no, that, that was... was uh, that, that, that was actually Andrew Wiggins taking a mid-range jump shot shooting practice in the background. <laughs> Leave it to Mackie to come up with the ultimate cheap shot on Andrew Wiggins. But seriously, did they not know it was like a big media day in the building introducing the new president? Gerson Rosas drives truck too, okay? They he thought was... today was a day to pound away at whatever they were pounding oh, away at. It's well, all on purpose. They don't want you un- to understand what's going on with with the new, My with the new regime. But if you didn't hear it, what he said there was that he thinks uh, Andrew Wiggins could still be a very good basketball player. They're going to do everything in their power to make him a very good basketball player. And if they went out and tried to find a better one, it would be hard to find somebody with that kind of upset, upside and talent. That's paraphrasing because you couldn't hear what the hell he was actually saying. And I've been telling you guys ever since this search started for a new president of basketball operations that whoever this next guy was, Phil, it would be mandated to him. It would it would be an edict to him that you you're you're stuck with Andrew Wiggins and it's on you and whoever you hire and whatever systems you put in place to get the most out of this guy and crack that code that is Andrew Wiggins. And by the sounds of it, now presidents of basketball operations and GMs don't always tell you exactly what's on their mind, but by the sounds of it, it appears that that's the road that we're going down with Andrew Wiggins and the Gerson Rosas era. So, gentlemen, may, may I have the, the floor here Please. for just a brief moment? Yes, I know you always because... like the floor when we're talking Wiggy, so I expected well, you to ask th- for the floor. Well, if the question is, can Gerson Rosas fix Andrew Wiggins? I think the audience probably expects my obvious answer, which is <laughs> no. But 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 I want I want to go deeper than that for a moment because the, to to me the Rockets' approach to basketball, much to the chagrin of fans and just a lot of people who watch basketball for a long time, is a very analytical, mathematical approach. And if you took an analytical, mathematical approach to fixing Andrew Wiggins' game, there's a lot of things that can easily be ironed out with the snap of a finger. So the, the most eye-popping statistic that will not 
be in play next year. Andrew Wiggins, on his own last season, shot 40 more long two-point attempts than the Rockets as a team. That's right. The Rockets shot 179 long wow. two-pointers in 2018-19. So, so 179 on the season. They basically averaged two per game uh, for the entire season. and So 179 for the Rockets. Wiggins shot 218 long twos, as defined by basketball reference, between 16 feet and the three-point line. Here's the other thing. The Rockets, when they shot those long twos, they at least made those shots at a 45% clip. So they were either wide-open shots that you just couldn't pass up and or they had guys like Chris Paul and James Harden who are just sniper shooters from any range. Andrew Wiggins was a 33% long two shooter. So the first things first, get rid of those 218 long twos and disperse them elsewhere. And that's so that so part one of the equation is get rid of the inefficient shot attempts and you'll just be a much better player. Here's the problem, okay? If we're just going down the analytics path. Last year, the only shot Andrew Wiggins was good at was point-blank range. From 0 to 3 feet, according to basketball reference, he made 62% of his shots, which is decent. I mean, that's not it's not uh, top of the league. A lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys who are really great at the rim will convert 70-75%. Wiggins is in that 62-65% range. Everywhere else on the floor, gentlemen, Andrew Wiggins shoots 33%. So if he's not within, this is last year, if he's not within three feet of the rim, he shoots 33%. So I don't know what you do if, he, if, 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 if the answer is you got to get to the rim, dude, and that's the only place you can shoot from efficiently. Um, I don't know how you're supposed to have a sustainable uh, uh, long-term answer offensively. But if they can even just find another place, maybe maybe from 5 or 10 feet that he can make shots from, at least they can start to design offense to put him in a spot that makes sense. And I'll say this, if anyone can fix Andrew Wiggins, it's a guy like Gerson Rosas who was at the forefront of the Houston Rockets' efficient offensive movement. So I will give him that. Two things. Uh, Cunningham told me that that Wiggins actually is not awful on the corner three, that he can make that shot. Um, but I, I would say this. I don't think we should talk about him being fixed because because that, that would imply that he still has the potential to be fixed and become a star. I think the conversation has to be, can they find a role for him? Because unlocking him but, is going to be finding a role. And, and the answer, guys, might be no. But if the Wolves are going to sit down and look at the shot charts and look at what realistically this guy can do, it's got to be a role. It can't be, oh my gosh, he's fixed and he he's an all-star now. That ship is gone. That's sailed. So can you find, I don't know, two things that he is competent at and can do and sit him down and, and try and get through, and this is a whole different discussion, and try and get through to him. Andrew, these are two things that you can do pretty well to be a even decent player, you have to do these things and focus on these things. Yeah, and Phil, what you're describing in terms of getting him to the basket, since that's that's the only place where he can make baskets, you describe Giannis, and I'm here to tell you, Andrew Wiggins, he ain't Giannis. Okay, I don't think I don't think I'm surprised. You got the breaking anybody. news sounder, Rami? I don't think I'm surprising anybody by saying Andrew Wiggins ain't Giannis. And Judd, I. I there's a part of me that agrees with you that that ship has sailed, but if that ship has sailed, I don't know. And I I I hate to do this to the guy right after he walked in the door, 
I don't know how much hope there is for the Garrison Rosas era. If if there is no hope that Andrew Wiggins is ever going to, if no one's ever going to crack that code or solve that problem and get him somewhere near being worth a max contract, I don't I don't know how Garrison Rosas works his way out of that jam and and puts the Wolves into in, into the realm of relevance anytime in the foreseeable future because that's an albatross on a basketball team. To be paying a guy like that and getting that type of performance out of him, unless you're going to find somebody in the middle of the first round or the second round, like a Jimmy Butler, not an attitude or personality, but like a Jimmy Butler who is that diamond in the rough that nobody saw, or even like the aforementioned Giannis, a diamond in the rough that nobody saw who starts playing at an all-star type of level, at, at a at a rookie, at an entry league, an entry level contract. That's the only way that you get over Andrew Wiggins being on this roster if you can't figure out Andrew Wiggins and get him somewhere close to his star potential. Uh, to, just to circle back to Judd's point the, uh, via Danny Cunningham about corner threes. So Andrew Wiggins last year, corner threes was 47%, which is incredible. Uh, he was His first career in the corner three, he's 43%. So the, the fix is point-blank range. If you can get to the rim or shoot a corner three, those are green light shots. And And... From my standpoint, any other shot is a yellow at best and maybe even a red, which which makes him a poor man's Andre Iguodala. So you're you're we're past the point where he's just going to be worth thirty million dollars. He's not. He's if if he's a guy that you can only trust at the rim and in the corner, he's a three and D guy without the D. So, um, but like, but that is the the, the fix. The fix isn't get him to be a thirty million dollar player. The the fix is. Get him to be a serviceable role player who's overpaid, and and at some point you can maybe figure out a trade partner for him, or maybe you maybe you get lucky and you draft someone who's on a rookie scale contract that's your second best player for the next three or four years while you write out the Andrew Wiggins contract. But that's it, right? I mean, that's got to be it. You can't. You're never going to. If you ever go back to well, we've signed this guy to this huge contract, and now we're going to get max uh, performance from him. It's pie in the sky. It's just not going to happen with this guy. Well then, uh, yeah, it is good, good luck. Good luck to Garrison Rosas. I, I, I hate to do. I mean, I want to be optimistic for this new era of well, you got basketball. Cat. You got cat. That's okay. I mean, I know it's not perfect, but you it need, is. You need the Robin hey, to his Batman. Andrew looked Glenn in the eye and told him he was committed. Unfortunately, they all <laughs> hey, should have been committed. Put put it this way, okay? This is this is Phil Mackey, Andrew Wiggins hater number one the last three years saying this. If Andrew Wiggins is a Timberwolf in this upcoming season, for his sixth season in the NBA, it will be his best season in the NBA. I can promise you that. If he plays in a Gerson Rosas organization in his sixth year, it will be his best year in the NBA. The question is, what does his best year look like from an efficiency standpoint? How how much can they shave down some of the bad shots and bad decisions in the next few months with off-season training and training camp? And we'll that, have to find out. And, Phil, the, the question that, that I have is, if he does, if he does what you're talking about, it also means that he listens to what they tell him to do. And my question is, does he? Because I think Cat does for sure. I think they're going to come to Cat and say, "We're, we're going to take you from an all-star to being great." And I think Cat's going to be buy-in instantly. Now, my question with Andrew is, does Andrew take their suggestions and capitalize on those, or does he just sort of roll his eyes? And if that's the case, then you damn near can't play him. Yeah. Well, and I mean. I- 
from a, in terms of listening to your coaches or listening to your front office. So Tom Thibodeau was the front office, you know, was the he ran the the whole thing for the last three years. And if you had somebody that was just like if you had somebody that was constantly screaming at you to be better on the microphone or be better writing, like would you? You'd probably tune that person out. That's not the best way to connect with Andrew Wiggins. So uh, hopefully there's a more, uh, with Ryan Saunders, assuming he stays, and with Gerson Rosas, hopefully there's more of a human connection when it comes to teaching, and uh, and, and, and the Timberwolves can get some of this stuff through to young players. But I, I got to think it wasn't just Andrew Wiggins going rogue from an organizational philosophy to shoot threes. It wasn't like... From top to bottom, the Wolves said, this is who we are as an organization. And Wiggins said, bleep you, I'm taking long twos. You know, I just don't, I don't think they were aligned from top to bottom, and now they will be. By the way, you mentioned Tom Thibodeau and, and making connections and, and relationships and communicating. Did you guys read John Krasinski's piece about the hiring of Rosas and how yeah. things sort of went wrong with Tom Thibodeau? So... Glenn Taylor, he values like personal relationships and and having like like a family feel around the organization. And when he was hiring Tom Thibodeau, he told him that and said, "Is that something that you're interested in?" And Thibodeau said, "Well, I've never been good at it, but I'd like to. <laughs> I've never been I've never been good. That's what we in the business call a red flag, right there. I've never been good at being oh. a human, but I'd like to work on it. Is what Tom Thibodeau said." And Glenn Taylor bought it hook, line, and sinker. He was like, yeah, let's work on it. You know what? This is a good place to work on it. Because Wiggy told him shortly before that that I'm I'm dedicated. I, I'm in. I'm all in to being a max player. You know who's dedicated? Who's all in, Judd? Who's that, Robbie? Your friends over at Serta Pro Painters. That's exactly right. And I, I want to talk to you about the folks at Serta Pro Painters right now. And I want to send a, a message here. It's this. I need help. And now you're saying, what's wrong with Judd? Well, there's nothing wrong, but I need a guy. I need guys because when it comes to home improvement projects, guess who's bad? That's Judd. That's exactly right. And who's good? The folks at Serta Pro Painters are good. They came and they painted my guest room and our bath. And I'll tell you right now, we are absolutely thrilled with the work that Serta Pro Painters did. Two words come to mind, professional and thorough. Now it's your turn to contact Serta Pro Painters and feel the same satisfaction that I did. It helps each Serta Pro Painters business independently owned and operated, so it's right here in our community. I urge you to schedule your free estimate online at SertaPro.com or by calling 800-GO-CERTA today. That's 800-GO-CERTA. Find out for yourself the type of quality you get from Serta Pro Painters. Again, your free estimate online at SertaPro.com or by calling 800 go Go Serta. That's Serta with a C. C E R T A. Serta Pro Painters. We do painting and you do life. Thank you, Jonathan Harrison. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Mackie uh, done for the day. He was out in Bristol. We now bring into the conversation, as we always do at this time, Patrick Royce for wrapping with Royce. All right, Patrick, you got you got to tell the story that you told me last night. This is it was so good. It was so good. I had to call you about ten o'clock oh. tonight. But you know what? I'm with you on everything you said. That's why the story is so good. So anyway, we're we're investigating the possibility of putting a roof on this place because it's been 25 years. You know, new shingles and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, put, a, put a roof on it, as the kids say. Pat. Couple, couple of guys have been over there, and we got a. The one thing I know is there's not really an attic up there, right? Uh, it's uh, what they there's some insulation, hard insulation in there that got put in 25 years ago or something, and then the shingles cover that. So, so all of a sudden this guy is here, starts talking, and my my Katie comes down, my wife, 
And they're talking about where the vents run out of the house and she's like the beam is that uh, holds the, the, the center of the house and the uh, soffits and whether they're whatever the hell a soffit is. I don't know what it is, but it's on the side and it's bented in the thing. I'm sitting there like an alien walking in the house. She's, 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 then they're deciding where, like, the. The stove is vented. Where does the venting for the... I didn't know we vented a stove. Did you know that? I thought it just kind of got cold and everything was fine. You know, <laughs> the oven and stuff. I mean, it's, uh, it was the damnedest thing I ever heard. And, and finally, I, you know, he laughed at the later. I said, how do you know all this stuff? How do you know all this? You know, and she says, there's a lot. I know that you don't know. I know because you won't listen if I start talking. To you. So that, <laughs> that that opened up an opp- opportunity for a ten minute uh, uh, lecture about how I don't listen listen to her. But uh, it it was unbelievable. And Judd, I called Judd Robbie and Judd said, "I thought those things on the roof were for for decoration. <laughs> <laughs> those things that spun around were like for the birds." <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. They're real. Yes, they're real. I'll be honest. I didn't know what the purpose was, but I always knew there was a purpose. I assumed there was a purpose. I never heard of a soffit till last night, and you said it. I'm not even sure it was a soffit. It might have been something else that started with an F. Something on the side. I I don't know what the hell it is, but uh, it was... uh, it was a strong indication that it's too late for me to figure out how stuff works. Yeah, Pat, it, uh, I, you know. I own a house back in Milwaukee, and once I sell it, I'm never buying another house again because I, I'm the same way. Like, I know nothing about it. I don't know what the upkeep mm-hmm. is. Like, there are filters you have to change every few months. There's, like, stuff you have to keep up with when you oh, own yeah. the house, yeah. and I have no idea how to do it, what the I schedule get- is to do it. I'm just lost. I get ordered down the basement once in a while to put a put a deal in the furnace, and generally speaking, a, a filter. Generally speaking, Ricky gave me a hard time just last year when I went to uh, I went to Menards to get new filters. Yeah, oh, so I many choices. Old, I took the old one with me. <laughs> oh, I would have done the same thing. Yes, that's brilliant. No, not right, not trusting myself to write it down. I took the old one with me and walked it up there and said, "Okay, I need four of these." As a right here, these, not any other one. Just <laughs> Patrick, as a guy who used to work at a home improvement store and used to deal with people who didn't know what kind of filters yeah. you you had, thank you for bringing it in because that yes. so much time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable, but I had no idea. I lived with a house about, you know, I know she's been in, and, well, like, we did some remodeling and stuff in there in this old dump of a house we got, and, uh, you know, she had some good ideas with that when she was talking to a person, but I had no idea she knew, you know, where beams went and stuff like that, I, you know, and vents, and uh, it was uh, it was quite an experience, and, well, you know, and this guy was saying, you're pretty good to her. And I'm just sitting there with my eyes wide open. Like, what the hell is this? Where'd this come from? 1984, I've been with her. I had no idea she knew anything, you know. So. The amount of stuff that they know sometimes and don't and don't bother to share can be really uh, impressive. Yes, it is. But, uh, 
I mean, it, it is a tradition in sports writing to know nothing about homes or cars or any type of machinery. I've never met a sports writer who knew anything about this stuff. And, of course, our role model, we both worked with him, Sid, who could not, you know, who got a home, uh, uh, elaborate home security system, you know, 30 years ago over here in Golden Valley, and the poor guy from Honeywell had to come and let him in the house about three days a week because he couldn't get himself back in the house because he wouldn't remember how to do something. So he's the worst of all time, and Judd and I have just kind of copied him through the years. Well, I'm right there with you guys. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not a handyman, nor do I expect that I ever will be. And you know what? You're a smart guy. Because if I could get, if I could walk away from my house tonight, I would. Oh, I can't wait till I sell that house. I cannot wait till I sell that house and never have to worry. Never about should it have bought a house. <laughs> never should have bought a condo. Should have gone from an apartment to a condo and been done with it. Well, when I when I uh, met this young lady who's a house uh, I was. Uh, I was I was divorced and living in a two-bedroom apartment over by uh, what was, uh, you know, down the Mall of America over there up on one of those roads, and it was fantastic. I had me in one bedroom and my clothes in the other, (laughs) (laughs) and everything else. There was, you know, that cable TV, which Bloomington was one of the first places to have Bloomington TV, so it was great. And a Chinese restaurant across the street, a takeout Chinese restaurant. It was, it was oh, fantastic. Living the life. I can't believe you ever moved from that. <laughs> Surprised you didn't have Katie just move in with you there. That would have been that. The nice thing about it was uh, it was one of those places that would get so hot and electric in the, in the winter. You know, you'd like walk in and go, whoa, because it's rugged, like light job. It was so full of electricity and warmth and uh, you know, there was no humidity in the damn place at all. But, yeah, it was perfect life then, man. No obligations whatsoever. Just pay your rent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Life is good. <laughs> the less obligations you have, I think, li- I think life oh, yeah. is better. Yeah. Right? Isn't that isn't that the key to life? Less obligations? That's true. How about Martin Perez? Man? I was just about to say the same yeah. thing, Pat. Yes. Unbelievable. That cutter is uh, nobody wants any part of it. Last night I read that... Uh, what, he threw 25 change-ups or something like that, mm-hmm. way more change-ups than he had. And they, they changed their strategy from when last time they faced Toronto, he didn't do as well. So they uh, had him throw a lot more change-ups this time. And uh, they plan, I'll tell you that. It's not just going out there and throwing it. Uh, if, you, if you're, you know, if Jose can go out there and do whatever he wants to, but the other guys uh, probably are going out there with a game plan every time. So uh, the only per- Problem they have now is what to do with the big man, but we talked about that yesterday, Pinedo, so. Yeah, the, well, the, and, and these boys can score runs too, Pat. I mean, they they were doing it again oh, last night. They can yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, boy, I liked that Marcus Stroman a couple of years ago. But what is this now? Is this about his? This is this is, this is, this is pretty mediocre season. He's uh, yeah. You know, he's one of the he was, he's one of the old time. You know, when he came up and he was not a phenom, but he was a. Because he kept the ball down, right? He was one of those guys he pitched down around below the knees, and now they go out there and lift that thing. And uh, you know that used, he was what everybody wanted in a pitcher as recently as four years ago, and now they want the guy who's pitching at the letters or above the letters. Yep. Uh, to, to keep those guys from going down and lifting it, 
And, uh, and all of a sudden, I, you know, Gibby's had to adjust uh, from being a sick ball pitcher, and this, this guy has to do. Do you think the league? Here, do you think the league will thinking. catch up to or figure out Martin Perez and the rest of these Twins pitchers, or are you buying what you're well, saying? Well, you know, you know nobody's going to be unhittable with his with his background, but uh, it, it looks, you know, they might get thirty two, you know, thirty starts out of him and, and thirty starts out of him and a three and a half ERA. They take that. Wouldn't they? He's blown a couple of bad games here and there, but. Uh, Wow, it's, it was fantastic last night. They had no chance. The only problem last night, Pat, was the plate umpire was absolutely horrendous. Ooh, a little wide, yeah. Martin, Martin would like to take that guy with him. <laughs> you no, know he would, yeah, no question. Yeah, who was the guy? Uh, I didn't, you know what? They talk, They talked about him. I didn't recognize him, though, because he, he's not one of the uh, serial offenders like Angel and, the, you know, Culpa no, and that I saw, group. I saw the name CB. He's been around, though. I, I, I don't know what. He just had one of those. Let me see ones. here. This is why I've been advocating for the robot umpire takeover, guys. Adam he must have had Clemary. A, he must have had a... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. He's, yeah. he's a really new guy, and he's got a red ass to he's, uh, He'll throw guys out. He's, uh, he did last night. Throw a guy. Yeah, and I think I saw him throw a couple other guys out. He's one of the young, uh, arrogant type of guys. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I don't know if that was a bad night for him or if that's if he just unfolds away and uh, and uh, you know throws anybody out who doesn't like it. So, Pat, did I see but, you yeah. tweet last week that you you don't want the electronic strike zone? You want to keep you want to keep the the human element uh, calling balls and strikes. I don't want the. Uh, I think my theory is the computer has ruined. Uh, I don't even want that. Fox zone or whatever the hell they call it. I, I don't want the computer because that's why the games take so long. They, uh, you know, the, the umpire back in the day could give you three inches and two inches on each side of the plate. And when it got to be eight to one in the seventh, you could give you four inches on each side of the plate. Now they're getting judged by the computer and they can't uh, get you out of there. It's uh, uh, the umpires I know used to be able to. Uh, you know, move the game along if they wanted to and swing the bad boys, but they can't do that anymore because they're judged by the computer. And maybe it's more fair to be you know, closer to approximating the strike zone, but I don't care about fairness. I care about time of game. So that's, uh, <laughs> to me, time of game is much more important than having a just result. So 245? 240? Well, 240. Well, We'll never get back to that because uh, just because of, uh, you know, pitching changes and uh, the, the whole approach to uh, uh, and, and Tom Kelly and I talked about that today on uh, on uh, the Racy on Baseball that's coming up at 6 about how every at-bat is like a drama, right? I mean, you can't do Everybody's trying to, nobody just, Throw it over with a pretty good hop on it and see what happens. It's, it's every, okay, you know, you're following a game plan for every hitter. Pat, we uh, we got to run. I was going to ask you what's on Roycey on baseball, but you just told us, so that's coming Kelly up next. Kelly and Kirpian. Pretty good. Awesome. Thank you. Right. That's Roycey on baseball coming up next on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. For Phil and Judd, I'm Rami saying thanks for listening to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Oh, yeah, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.